a space to speak your mind with Cornwall Mind for better mental health. I'm Richard and welcome if you've never heard the show before. This is A Space to Speak Your Mind, a radio show and podcast about mental health made by people with lived experience in association with Cornwall Mind. We do cover subjects that some listeners may find distressing. For more information, help and support, please visit cornwallmind.org. And this is our main show. Today, I'll be catching up with Jerry Padfield, now Lived Experience Coordinator at Cornwall Mind, about the community mental health transformation. You can hear when I spoke to Georgia Lewis, community fundraiser for Sea Sanctuary, on the last day of the Port 11 Food and Music Festival. I'll also be chatting with Dr. Nina Bell from E4's Body Fixers, who's a cosmetic dental surgeon and advanced facial aesthetics clinician, about how we look can affect our mental health and the pros and cons of having cosmetic surgery. Joe from Cornwall Mind will be telling us what's happening at Cornwall Mind this month. And as it's Mental Health Awareness Week from the 9th to the 15th of May, this year Mind are using the spoken words to show the different ways people talk about their experience, which is very much what we do here on the show. And with that thought, I'll be finding out how our mental health has been over the last year with Gosha Bowling, the Emotional League at Nuffield Health, next on The Space to Speak Your Mind. A space to speak your mind with Cornwall Mind for better mental health. As the world continues to progress on a return to normality following the pandemic, there are stark warnings about the impact of COVID-19 on people's well-being. A third of people admit to their mental health getting worse over the past 12 months, with one in nine of us going so far as to say that their mental health has got significantly worse during that period. Despite the concerns over both our mental and physical health, 42% admit that they haven't spent any time dedicated to improving their mental health, and 18% acknowledge that they haven't done any exercise during the past year. Because of this, Nuffield Health are launching their Find Time for Your Mind campaign, which encourages people to become more active and engaged with their own physical and mental well-being. And here to discuss this with me is Gosha Bowling, who's the Emotional Wellbeing Lead at Nuffield Health, the UK's largest healthcare charity, where for the past 60 years, their experts have been working together to make the nation fitter, healthier, happier and stronger, all for the public benefit. So Gosha, how has our mental health been affected in the last year and have things improved since restrictions have ended? That's such an important question, and I'm really glad that we're talking about it. Nuffield Health have recently carried out a huge survey of over 8,000 adults. It's our Healthier Nation Index. It provides kind of a, a barometer of the state of the health of the nation. And even though the restrictions are lifting, what the data is telling us is that actually the pandemic's had a huge impact on people's physical and mental health. And actually one in three people are reporting that their health has deteriorated since the pandemic and, and over the past year. You know, even the restrictions are easing. We can see that the, the pandemic's taken its toll on us and, and it's, it's difficult for people to find their ways back to building those healthy habits to get them back on the way to good health. Yeah, I guess because we've had so many changes and especially you know during the pandemic, there's been different rules that we've been able to abide by or things have, have changed so often. And sometimes it is a case of, you know, things that are good for us, especially doing exercise. We tend to put those on the back burner, especially when there's more what seems important things to consider. But obviously exercise is really important. So why do you think people are struggling to dedicate time for exercise? Yeah, I mean, it's so interesting. And, and you're absolutely right. You know, some people did find it easier to get more exercise, but actually one in five of us did absolutely no exercise whatsoever during the past year. And there were, you know, there were different reasons for different people and people reported different barriers to being healthy. Some of the main ones were motivation. So 60% of people said that motivation was a huge factor and they were just finding it really difficult to find the motivation to build those healthy habits. Another factor was embarrassment, and that was more so for women than men. 40% of women reported you know, being embarrassed as a barrier to doing more exercise, but actually 29% of men reported that as well. So we know that was a factor. And another factor um, was people just simply not knowing where to get started. 
which is exactly why we've launched our campaign really to encourage people to find time for their minds and to take five minutes getting started with some physical activity to boost their physical health and mental health to get people started and, and to assist people sort of breaking those barriers that have, they've experienced. So this is the Find Time for Your Mind campaign. So really great thing. So just uh, if people want to get involved or if they've not heard about it before, just can you explain to us a little bit about what it is and how they can get involved? Yeah, we're encouraging people to find five and that's to find five minutes every day to boost their activity and exercise levels in order to help them with their physical health and their mental health because we know there's a strong link between how we sort of physically feel and how we mentally feel. So we know that actually taking five minutes a day to focus on exercise or your mind is going to help both. We've got a website, it's nuffieldhealth.com forward slash Healthier Nation Index, where we've put lots of resources, lots of free interactive guides, lots of tips and lots of articles to get the conversation going and to inspire people in different ways that they can try different workouts and, and different things to engage with our campaign. And really to build small, manageable goals, you know, where people have gone from doing nothing. Sometimes people try to expect too much by going, right, I'm going to run 5K today, or I'm going to be in the gym three times a week, or I'm going to start eating salads every day. And so those goals are very difficult to achieve, whereas finding five minutes can just get us through this barrier, can just stop us feeling overwhelmed and find a really easy way to start building healthier habits, which will then snowball into further healthier habits. I know for, for myself, I've become a runner in recent years, never used to run at all, didn't like it when I was at school, but um, I, I started to do it. And I think you're, you're absolutely right there that the first couple of times, if you try and push yourself too far, too quickly, it can put you off. And I think that's probably something, again, going back to kind of school days. But I think if you just do those manageable chunks, it can be a shock to the system at first, I find. But once you've done it and once you stick with it, because that's the thing as well, you try it a few times, you suddenly start to feel the benefits and it's almost like your body kind of realises what's happening and adjusts and then you feel those benefits, don't you? Oh, absolutely, Richard. And I did the same. I mean, I hated running. I didn't understand why people ran. And I, to be honest with you, I can relate to a lot of people in our survey that, have, that haven't been active during the pandemic. I went from training for an ultra marathon to kind of sitting in a chair for two years. But when I first started running, it was, it was horrible and I hated it and I didn't understand it. But I was trying to do too much. I'd gone from doing nothing to trying to run five miles. And actually, when I was kinder to myself and I thought, right, I'll just run until I don't want to run anymore and, and build it up slowly. And as my fitness increased, actually, it felt a lot easier and I started to enjoy it. So I think it's finding what you enjoy, but finding what works for you. And for some people that will be running, for some people that will be dancing, for some people that will be gardening, walking, you know, running up and down the stairs. I think it's we're encouraging people to, to be curious to be interested, to be creative, to try different things and just to, to take five minutes each day to improve their physical and mental health. I think it's a good time as well because we're getting these this, this spring, the, the sun shining where I am right at the moment. So I think getting outdoors is a good thing. Even if you're just going for a five minute walk, I think that's a good start, isn't it? And also maybe socialising, meeting up with people, having a coffee or something at the end that you can look forward to, I think always helps. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the warm weather makes us all feel better, doesn't it? And it's a lot easier to go out and about and get outdoors. And we know that nature has fantastic therapeutic effects for our mental and our physical health. And I think your point, Richard, about getting connected is so important. Our survey found that you know, embarrassment was such a factor. And I think when you join with other people, you realize that we're all in the same boat. You know, it's not just you. There are so many people that have struggled to get going, that have found it challenging. And actually, if you can get together with your friends and make it social and have a laugh along the way, then you're more likely to stay motivated and build those healthier habits. The other thing that I've done recently as well, I've joined a tennis club. And again, there was the thing at first where I thought, oh, well, actually, with a group of other people, you know, how am I going to feel? I mean, it's become such a social network now. There's a group of people that come two or three times a week and 
We all get to know each other as a small group. And sometimes they do taster sessions. So you can just come along or you can just watch and just take part. So I think it is, it's overcoming that initial barrier and maybe even just going with a friend for the first go, just so you've got someone with you. Yeah, whatever it's going to take to get through that initial barrier. Because once you're there, then you realise that actually exercise is for everybody. You don't need to have a certain body shape. You don't need to look a certain way. Exercise is for everybody, regardless of their level of fitness, because it's there to make all of us feel better. And sometimes you can find something that you didn't expect would be really enjoyable, such as tennis for you. It could be, you know, martial art for something else. I think what's really good about activities that you do with other people is you tend to learn something along the way. So you're learning new skills. You see that you, you're hopefully improving your serve there, Richard. I don't know if I'm speaking for you, but, but you know, you can have that fun along the way. And I think anything that we do that connects with other people helps us with the other after effect of the pandemic, which was that isolation that we felt and, and that lack of connection and that lack of bonding that again impacted on our physical and our mental health. And as far as Nuffield Health as well, is there support there if people want to get in contact and are you encouraging them along the way? Yeah, massively, massively so. So, you know, I would encourage, you know, your listeners to please come to our website. It's nuffieldhealth.com forward slash Healthier Nation Index. We've got loads of really helpful articles about all sorts of aspects of health. Lots of ways to find out about how you can get further health, help and support, as well as all of those tips on exercise and activities and guides that you can do to get you started and get you well on the way on the pathway to better health. Yeah, because I think sometimes it is just having that support there, just having somewhere that you can go and just know that you've got that assistance when you need it. So, uh, yeah, hopefully people go on there. And I think, as we say, really good time to be launching this. So I wish you every success with it. Thank you so much. That's Gosha Bowling, who's the Emotional Wellbeing Lead at Nuffield Health. Lovely talking. A space to speak your mind with Cornwall Mind for better mental health. It's a space to speak your mind and we're joined by a friend of the show and now Lyft Experience Coordinator for Cornwall Mind, Jerry Padfield. Hi, Jerry. Hi, Richard. Good to speak. Yeah, good to have you back on the show. Now, you've been looking into the community mental health transformation that's currently underway. Can you explain what exactly this is? Well, what's happened is a while ago, the NHS just had a big look at itself and decided a few things, what worked and what didn't and what needed to change. And one of those things... A big part of the NHS is obviously mental health, and they looked at the community mental health uh, service and decided there were some things that weren't working and some things that needed to be brought in. So that's basically what it is, and that includes things that affect, I guess, all of our listeners, if not most of them. So why has this change been brought about? There was a kind of a, a feeling that there were some things that weren't there or that weren't working. So basically, at the moment, everything's kind of separate. So you kind of go to your GP and then they refer you on to somebody else and then or, not, or you might go to say come or mind or man down or some other mental health voluntary organization but no one's really talking to each other in a very coherent way so that was one of the things that needed to be looked at also the kind of way that people are treated as like a diagnosis rather than a human being so that was another thing mental health is reliant on so many things as we know you know your physical health your housing situation your money situation so it was decided to try and integrate that too and, and view the whole person rather than just their diagnosis or their particular problem in a mental health perspective. And then also they wanted to bring in the lived experience of people who've been through the system or people who've had mental health problems in their life to kind of feed into designing and actually carrying out their mental health services that exist. So it's really a kind of rethink about the whole structure around mental health. So as you say, before there was the sort of linear approach maybe of just looking at a person and, and then taking through the things that might help them. But really now it's a, a case of getting them involved and structuring it specifically for them. Exactly. And, and it's quite a big way of a change in the way of thinking. I'm not too sure how many people are actually aware of this transformation that's happening because 2023, 2024 is when the kind of transformation is meant to have been fully 
transformed, if you like. And uh, it's not very widely known that it's happening and it's going to be quite a big change so that everyone is involved in their own kind of mental health care. And this has been tried, hasn't it? Obviously, we've had the pandemic, but just before the pandemic and even during it, it has been tried in different areas of the country with good results. Definitely. And one of the closest was Somerset. Devon are also a little bit further ahead than us down this road, but it is showing good results. And I think from my dealings with the NHS and other people, there's a real passion for change and a real kind of commitment to this idea of people being involved in their own kind of mental health treatment or, you know, recovery. And there's kind of joined up thinking as well. You were mentioning different organisations. So it's bringing everything together into one umbrella. Yeah, it's definitely is. There's that kind of feeling of like, it doesn't really matter who you approach first, whether it's your GP or Cornwall Mind or, you know, some other organisation that, you know, maybe even your church coffee morning or something. You can be referred if any of those people will be able to refer you to the right help. And the help that you get will be a kind of mix of everything from your traditional clinical NHS help through to the stuff that Cornwall Mind and other voluntary organisations do. And, and it will all be a one big package of help, which you help prepare and are involved in that process. And you get to ask what you would like in your own treatment and so on. So it's a big shift and, and there is a big appetite for it to happen amongst uh, everyone that I speak to. And as you said, the, the person is very much for, uh, forefront of everything that goes on, so they can really make the decisions about the journey that they take. We've mentioned that you are now the lived experience coordinator for Cornwall Mind. So what's your role in all of this? Well, I'm employed by Cornwall Mind, but actually I'm kind of under three different organisations. So Cornwall Mind, obviously, are, are there to kind of safeguard the fact that Mind have a very good history of challenging and campaigning for mental health. And so I'm deliberately separated from the NHS aspect of it so that I'm not kind of become, don't become too kind of corporate NHSE. But I do work with the NHS a lot. And I also work with Pentreath, who are another mental health organisation that a lot of people will be aware of. Basically, my role is to make sure that that lived experience aspect, which is part of the community mental health transformation, is involved in there. So that means getting people who have experience of mental health problems, whether they've been through the system or not, or whether they've been in contact with their GP or anyone or not, involved in this debate, in this conversation, and even involved in designing and producing the mental health services which will exist in the future. So at the beginning of my job, I'm going to be going out there talking to people who have contact with various organisations and also going to places where they might be, but they might not have actually talked to anyone about their mental health yet, because one thing or another, maybe there's a trust issue. Or maybe it's just the taboo around mental health that we're aware of. So that's one of the reasons why I wanted to speak on the show today was to basically let people know that I exist. And maybe later in the show, you can give out my details if anyone wants to get in touch and be a part of this sort of conversation about how mental health services in Cornwall change. Yeah. So you are looking for people to be involved in what kind of aspect would you like them to be involved in? What kind of things would you like them to bring to the table? Well, there's what's called a ladder of participation. So traditionally, when there has been kind of consultation with people about mental health services, it has been that level of consultation which is basically asking people how was your experience did you like it what would you like to happen but that is a very low level of participation really and what we're looking at now in the mental health transformation is what's called co-design and co-production so that basically means that you as a person who has experience of mental health sit down in a room with others including others with lived experience and with people from the NHS and with people from voluntary organisations and general members of the public. And you work together to design mental health systems and services. So let's take, for example, if they were trying to set up a service to help people who have self-harmed. So it might be that you have experience of self-harm. 
And you were then sitting on the committee, if you like, and work through with them what's the best way for self-harm to be addressed in Cornwall. And then that's co-design. So co-production means that you might then become a peer support worker or a well-being coach. And then you would then help deliver that service alongside the clinicians and alongside the mental health professionals. So there is a kind of different sphere of involvement. So there there are different levels of participation, really. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's important that people are able to participate in a level they feel comfortable with, whether that's down to their own time commitments or disabilities or even things like benefits being affected by, you know, volunteering too much of your time. So we really want to encourage anyone who has an interest in doing this to get involved. What we'll do, we'll put the details of how people can contact you if they're listening on the podcast we'll put those within the show notes but just for those listening on the radio can you just give us the website address or your contact details so that they can get in contact with you yeah so the best way to get in touch with me at the moment would be via my email address which is jerry j-e-r-r-y at cornwallmind.org and if you email me just saying that you're interested in what I was speaking about on the radio I'll get back in touch and we can take it from there but I will also be going out and about and it's quite possible you run across me at some point we'll also be putting together a website and you know promoting this quite a lot more so but please do get in touch if you're able at the moment and it is as you say we're kind of in the early stages but there's going to be so much going on throughout the next few months and into the next few years so are you able to come back and keep us up to date on the progress of what's going on definitely i think this is an ongoing thing that's going to happen over the next few years so I'm happy to come back. And also, if I find people that are suitable, I'll be interviewing them with updates. There are several streams that are prioritised. There's eating disorders, complex emotional needs, psychosis. So some of those themes we were returning to with a community mental health transformation in mind and bringing reports about how the transformation is going. That's great. We're really looking forward to that, Jerry. So you'll be here within the space to speak your mind over the next few months. So be really interesting to see how the project's developing and to get more information. But for now, Jerry Padfield, who is the lived experience coordinator for Cornwall Mind, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks, Richard. A space to speak your mind. Last year, the police reported domestic abuse cases made up 18% of reported crime between 2020 and 2021, an increase of 3% compared with 2019 and 2020 figures. To provide support for victims, HSBC UK are now offering a safe space in partnership with domestic abuse charity Hestia. This will allow those experiencing abuse to access help and support services in a normal, discreet setting without fear. And here to discuss this is Joe Tilly-Riley from Hestia and also Jackie Uhi from HSBC UK. So Joe, tell me first about Hestia for those who don't know what it is. Thanks very much for having us today, Richard. Hestia is a charity. We run a wide range of services for people who have experienced different types of trauma and crisis, including victims of domestic abuse. So we run domestic abuse refuges and support in the wider community as well, which is why we have been doing this work around safe spaces, which has really come from the learnings, what we've heard from the women and children who've come into our refuges and their need to be able to access support more readily in the community. So what is the Safe Spaces scheme and how did it come about? So what we know from people coming into our refuges is that if your computer, your phone, your movements are being monitored by the person who is abusing you, it can be really, really difficult to reach the support that is available for you. And we have people that we have worked with, like Sarah, who really talked to us about how important it was to have a safe haven where you could go where you wouldn't be observed by your abuser and where you could make those plans to escape. So that's where the idea for Safe Spaces first came about. So it was launched originally with pharmacies across the UK and is now expanding into the bank branches as well uh, with the partnership with HSBC UK. And it's really about ensuring that if you are experiencing domestic abuse, 
there is somewhere discreet on your high street where you can go anonymously know that you will be believed and have a quiet space where you can use the Bright Sky app to find out more about the support that's available. You can phone the national helplines. You could contact your friends and family. We had somebody who told us recently that she used it over multiple occasions to make contact with the solicitor, to make arrangements, to be able to leave her perpetrator. So it's really for somebody to be able to use in whatever way they need to be able to make that choice and manage a safe exit from their abusive situation. And you're saying the, the Safe Spaces scheme started in the pharmacies, but Jackie, how did HSBC UK become involved and what specialist training have the staff there had? So we had done quite a bit of work with Hestia over our No Fixed Address and Survivor Bank services, which essentially is around helping people you know, set up banking arrangements where they might not have any particular address and the close linkage with that when people are looking to leave abusive situations. So that's how we sort of originally got involved with Hestia. And then what we've done is trained 4,000 of our colleagues across our branch network of 510 across the country to feel confident, to really understand what is domestic abuse, what's the importance of the safe space, to be able to facilitate and run a safe space and how to respond to individual queries. Because you know anybody can use a safe space, customer or non-customer. Anybody can walk in and ask to use the facility. And why do you think a bank is the ideal place for someone that is experiencing abuse to seek support? I think, first of all, it's probably not obvious that it's a place that somebody's going to get that type of support. So it's discreet. They'll be taken to a private space where you know sometimes they just want to collect their thoughts. But also, HSBC UK branches, you know, are all across the country and in communities, so likely to be easily accessed to walk in and get support that you need. And for our listeners, there are HSBC UK branches in Falmouth, in Penzance, also Truro, St. Austell, Weybridge, Liscard and Launceston, so all across the Cornwall area. Joe, if I can bring you back in, who do you think can seek help as part of the Safe Spaces scheme? So the Safe Spaces themselves are really for somebody who is a, a victim of domestic abuse who's enduring it right now and needs that safe space to be able to access the support. We all probably know people in our friends, our family, our colleagues who could be enduring domestic abuse. So it's actually really important that all of us are aware of safe spaces so that you you might be able to discreetly mention to somebody that you're worried about. Did you know that there is a safe space in the HSBC branch on our local high street, for example? And that's a really powerful and simple way that you can help somebody that you might be worried about to be able to access that support. Because that's often something that we hear a lot is that that people are worried about somebody and they don't know what to do. They don't know how to help. And that really simple act can A, be really powerful for the person who is experiencing enduring that domestic abuse because it means that they have been seen, that they're being believed by somebody. But you're also helping them to access the specialist support that's out there. And I don't think we should underestimate, Richard, how dangerous it can be and how important it is that the support of professionals is part of the solution for somebody who is escaping domestic abuse. You mentioned earlier something about an app that has been launched. Can you just give me a bit more details on that as well? Yeah, so the Bright Sky app is a free to download app. It's also available as a website. So you can download it on Android or Apple. It's got lots of information on it about domestic abuse, what support is available, but it also has a searchable database on it. So you can put your postcode into it and it will tell you all of the local services that are available to you, all the different charities and community domestic abuse services that are available in your local area. It actually, um, you know, you can also put your postcode in and it will tell you where your local safe space is as well. But 
the main way that we're using it is that if you go into that HSBC branch, you'll be able to access the Bright Sky app and it's got loads of loads of information to help you make the right decisions for yourself. And Jackie, what else are HSBC UK doing to help those fleeing abuse? So at the moment, we see an average of sort of two customer calls coming in every day mentioning either domestic or financial abuse. And really addressing that financial abuse is a step forward in terms of rebuild because when you're a domestic abuse victim, it's not just an event, it's a process. So One of the big things that, you know, we can really do is understand if there's a requirement to separate joint finances. And often that's the case. People are concerned about whether or not their finances can be tracked when they make that move. So we can open an account with a sort code that is non-traceable to a geographic location. We can help separate joint accounts and remove cardholders. We can do a long list of things that can support um, that individual, but also If somebody wants to use a safe space, it's a requirement to call the local police. We can do that. We can allow them to use our phone to speak to family and friends. It's really just, as the name says, a safe space to be able to really start that rebuild of your life. So, Joe, is there a website as well so people can find the safe spaces and access the services? If you're confident that your device isn't being monitored, uh, you can go to UKSaysNoMore.org forward slash safe spaces. And you can put your postcode in and it will tell you all of the local safe spaces that are on your high street. That's fantastic. So people can seek support there. But for now, Joe Tilly Riley from Hestia and also Jackie Uhi from HSBC UK. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks, Richard. A space to speak your mind. I'm here at the Port Eleven Food Festival. I'm joined by Georgia from the Sea Sanctuary. Now, you've been here all weekend. Tell me what you've been doing. We've been really honoured, actually. Food Festival asked us to be the charity partner this year because the theme is Food for Thought. So with people being kind of locked away for two years and struggling with their mental health, this is quite a big thing for people to come back to. So we're working with them on having mindfulness sessions and stuff. So our wellbeing practitioners have been offering creative art workshops, which also include incorporate mindfulness throughout the weekend which the kids have really loved and then our therapist has been offering compassion and confidence workshops for adults to take a pause think about how you've been feeling over the past two years and how you can be more compassionate to yourself and then over in our sea sanctuary tent we've had the gratitude arch which has been really lovely We've had kids and adults coming and writing on tags what they're grateful for and hanging it on the hoop and it's just been really lovely. That's really nice. Obviously we've had a couple of years where we've not been able to have the food festival. Nice to have a lot of people around and a lot of footfall. So just tell me a bit about the workshops. You've had different things over the, the several days, have you? Yeah, so over Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Friday we had four different workshops with the kids and the families creating, let's say, jellyfish on one of the days or with recyclable material, being mindful of you know the ocean and stuff and they would make the jellyfish and then sit and watch them move in the wind and learn to be mindful about taking that pause and like looking at things and recognizing that which was really lovely and then like a talk with a bit of a workshop learning about your breathing you know focusing on that taking time out to do that so really lovely and just for people who don't know just explain about the sea sanctuary and and what your sort of ethos is sure so we're a mental health organization based in falmouth been operational since 2006 we work with both children and adults on their mental well-being but our core concept is that we're rooted in blue health which is the idea that being around or in any blue space is really calming and good for your mental health and we were really pioneers in that because 
since we've started there's been a lot of scientific research which is now proving that the ocean and even lakes or rivers can have a really positive impact on your mental health so we take people out sailing we do day sails and four day residential programs where people live on the boat for four days but we do like health education programs so they get involved in the sailing and they're challenging themselves with that but then they're also taking that time to reflect on their mental health how they're feeling and learning how coping strategies and how to become your own anchor which is what we try and do is like give you the toolkit you need to go on in life and cope with things so we do that on board our new ship Irene which we got last week she's 125 foot over 100 years old and she was used in films such as Pirates of the Caribbean and Alice in Wonderland so really really great like for people and kids as well to see and then on top of that we do individual therapy and we do suicide prevention with the police so on the weekends we work in a project called Golf Triple Nine where we go out to people who are in crisis and support them with that and then the crucial part is the aftercare so we don't just leave them after that we then give them a package of individual therapy and then they can go sailing with us so hopefully they don't reach that point again and we're in the beautiful location this weekend so for people that are listening to what we're saying here and thinking actually that might be for me or even people that may not have considered the work you do what would your sort of advice be for them with us we think it's really important that you don't have to be referred by a gp or a practitioner and if you need to reach out for help that's absolutely fine you can self-refer yourself we're really friendly you know even if you just want a bit of information give us a call if a call's too much send us an email message us on facebook and we're here for you just like mine does as well mine's an amazing charity but it's just so important to know that these services are here and if you're struggling or you know someone that's struggling just to come to us and you've got an event coming up very soon haven't you yes we do we've got an event in Polzeth on Saturday the 14th of May called Seize the Day back last year in February a group of people did a big fundraiser for us in memory of a young girl that took her own life and they raised £65,000 in her memory which has gone to Sea Sanctuary and as part of that we're going to put on an event in Polzeth in her memory very similar to what we've done here at the food festival today so we'll have some mindfulness workshops creative workshops and also other organisations there who can promote if you're struggling we're here to help we've also got free surf sessions which is incorporating the blue health that we've spoken about and it's all free so if you get a chance put it in your diaries Saturday 14th of May and I hope the weather stays nice for that it should be a fantastic event yeah it's at the tube station so it's literally right above the beach so it's a perfect setting for that so hopefully I'll see you there too as well <laughs> I'll hope to be there and it is the final day here so it has been a long weekend I think for both yeah. of us we've down here. tell from my voice yeah, I think we're both both struggling a little bit yeah. but, uh, so what have we got planned for the final day for the final day so today at 10 o'clock we've got some more creative workshops with the kids they're creating mindfulness pinwheels today so similar concept to the jellyfish they'll be bringing them out watching them in the wind and then they can also take that home with them the gratitude arch we're going to hopefully fill that completely today and then people can just come and speak to us about their sailing if they're interested in that the therapies so it's more of a relaxed day today but hopefully we'll still get the you know really positive impact which we've had and people have been speaking and saying how lovely it's been to just have that moment to come out of the festival so and it is just good to be out and just be able to have conversations with people again yeah if they want to get in contact with you is a way that they can do that yeah so you can call us on 01326 378919 or you can visit our website which is seasanctuary.org.uk and if you wanted to email us or 
course, send us a letter. All our details are on the website. That's fantastic. Well, have a great final day of the food festival and I uh, hope you really enjoy it. It's a little bit overcast at the moment, but yeah. it's going to brighten up and there's going to be a nice finale to the afternoon as well. So we're looking forward to yeah. a great day here. Thank you so much for speaking with us as well. It's been really lovely. A space to speak your mind. This is Richard on A Space to Speak Your Mind and time to find out what's happening at Cornwall Mind this month. Hi, I'm Jo from Cornwall Mind. Um, just wanted to update really about what's going on this month. We've got some really exciting news. We've got our community cafes, which are expanding across Cornwall. So we're already in Falmouth and Truro, and we've just launched our new key and St. Austell community cafes. And in May, we are launching our community cafes in Penzance and Helston. So really exciting. And hopefully we can launch some more. So community cafes, they're basically just a monthly meetup in a local cafe, staff and volunteer supported. So you can come along and just have a chat. You can get some advice, some information, get some support. Basically a, a one stop for all things mental health related. You don't need a referral. They're open to anyone. You just pop along and join us. And they're really lovely because obviously, you know, if you're experiencing mental health difficulties, you often become isolated. And being part of a community activity can really help. And for some people, having a cup of coffee with others in a cafe, they don't get a chance to do that. So they're really lovely. So you've got the social contact, an opportunity for peer and professional support. So don't worry, the cafes are all once a month, but they're all on our website calendar. So if you visit cornwallmind.org and go to what's on, the calendar's there and all the cafes are there where they are the locations, venues, days and times. So we look forward to seeing you. A space to speak your mind. It's a space to speak your mind. I'm joined by Dr Nina Bell from E4's Body Fixers, who's also a cosmetic dental surgeon and advanced facial aesthetics clinician. Hi, how are you doing today? I'm really well, thank you. How are you? Oh, fantastic. Really good. So can you tell us what do you think the link is between how we look and how we feel about ourselves, particularly from a mental health perspective? Yes, absolutely. Well, there is a very, very strong connection between the two. A very interesting research that we have done through Beauty Uncovered actually last few weeks shows that 49% of Brits have said that the way they look in the morning, their appearance, have a really strong effect on the way they feel during the day. So it's huge. And whenever we talk about women between 25 and 34 years old, that number jumps up to 60%. So really has a huge impact on the way we feel. And do you think for someone that feels there's something about their appearance, maybe a, a disfigurement from birth or something that has affected their confidence, or maybe just their ability to lead the life they, 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 that they really want to, do you think that's something that's quite overpowering in our life? And what would your advice be to those people? Absolutely. So what I'm noticing in my clinical practice, especially actually after lockdowns, after COVID, after so many video Zoom calls, is that people have been made aware by looking at themselves when they talk, which is not something that would normally happen, is that they really got aware of perhaps some facial asymmetry that they had from birth and they really never got aware apart from perhaps in photos and as we age obviously from signs of aging also all those facial asymmetry congenital facial asymmetries become more apparent when you lose 
the texture, the firmness of the soft tissues. So, and really what I'm noticing is a shift. People really wanted to invest in themselves to correct, improve those issues that once you are aware of them, it's very difficult to forget about it. And it really started bothering them on a daily basis. It's very interesting you say that because I think you're definitely right with Zoom and with Skype. We're not used to looking at ourselves constantly, are we? And that's what we've been doing over the last couple of years. We've been looking at a screen where it's been, which has been mirroring back our own appearance to us, which normally we wouldn't see on, on the, such a, a high intensity level. So it does really affect our confidence, doesn't it? It, it makes us see uh, or we, we get a perspective of how we think other people are looking at us or how they're perceiving us. Um, and it's very disconcerting. Yes, that's absolutely correct. Because pre-pandemic, we really were doing very little Zoom calls, if any. And when you look at yourself at the mirror, you don't really talk to yourself. So you see yourself in a very 2D dimension without having your muscle in action, whether on Zoom, it's so normal to have semi-symmetry. We all have it to a certain extent, but that really makes you really aware. And as I was mentioning, once you start noticing them until you actually do something about it, it may really affect your confidence, your self-esteem when you talk to others or read in your daily life. So huge rise in people seeking cosmetic treatments also for those reasons. So my advice is that you want to go to someone qualified because it's up to us as professionals to really screen our patients in a very ethical way to really find out the reason behind why you're seeking cosmetic treatments. You may be wanting them just to make you feel better. And that's what I love about my job is really empowering people, helping them, building their confidence with really subtle tweaks. But equally, there's a huge portion of people people that especially after the pandemic have been struggling and perhaps they seek those treatments thinking the syringe of fillers may solve other problems. So I really encourage people to really do their research. You want to go to someone qualified, check their qualification experience before and after reviews and actually a perfect opportunity to find this out is to come on the Beauty Uncovered live show on the 7th and 8th of May where really I will be there and we are bringing good practice to consumers so you as a customer, as a general public you can come and really find out everything you need about going to the right people. And where's that take place so that would be in london at the business design center you can find all the info about it if you go on beautyuncovered.com or instagram at beautyuncovered uk you mentioned the instagram there that's that's a fascinating thing isn't it over the last few years do you think that instagram is having a big impact on how we're seeing ourselves as far as looking at other people and celebrities and maybe the enhancements or things that, that other people have had done for sure. Really, again, I think with the pandemic, we all have been more on social media platforms and we have been there. We've been taking selfies. So definitely the rise of Instagram, TikTok and selfies, again, made you more aware about the way your face looks, so your face structures, anything you're not happy about, any asymmetries. And on a positive note, though, I also have noticing that more celebrity or influencer 
doctors are more and more open and honest about the treatments they have done. And I think that's really encouraging because before it was a bit of taboo when I started more than 10 years ago. And now it's getting more and more acceptable. And I think that's honesty is always best. And what are the warning signs that we should look out for? How do we find someone that we can trust? That's a really good question. So first of all, I would say you want to check if that person is a qualified doctor dentist or nurse prescriber there's actually a very useful website called save face which is a national register of accredited practitioner who provide non-surgical aesthetic treatments but really we are very thoroughly screened and assessed and that's what can give you a guidance of who is best to go and see for your treatments because the issue of going to someone who's not qualified uh, to a non-medics is in case complications arise complications can happen to absolutely anyone even to us of course but it's all about having the knowledge and being equipped to treat them and just remind us one more time where people can find more information on this Yes, so I would recommend to go to beautyuncovered.com website and you find out everything about good aesthetic practice, surgical and non-surgical, and also a website called Save the Face, which is a register of accredited practitioners as well. Dr. Nina Bell, thank you so much for joining us today. That was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. A space to speak your mind. This is a space to speak your mind and there's a Men's Wellness Day taking place on Sunday the 8th of May at Cornish Lavender in Perrinporth. Mind Fit Cornwall are joining with Jake, a fully qualified hypnotherapist and coach from Breaking Through Coaching for a day aiming to leave men feeling energised and relaxed with an insight into how to integrate and implement well-being practised into their lives and make connections with other men in the community. It's £47 and takes place from 1 till 4.30. That's this Sunday the 8th of May and you can find out more from Cornish Lavender. Just search for them on Facebook. That's all from A Space to Speak Your Mind for this month. For support and more information for better mental health, visit the Cornwall Mind website, cornwallmind.org, or call the Mind Helpline during office hours on 0300 123 3393. And you can call the Samaritans anytime for free on 116 123. If you'd like to be part of next month's show, you can get in contact with us as well. Just email a space to speak your mind at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter. We're at A Space to Speak. And you can like us on our Facebook page. I'm Richard. I'll speak to you next month here on A Space to Speak Your Mind.